Hello everyone, you are listening to My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts, and coming up on today's episode, we talk about the power of the village and how the village, therefore, can influence public health. We have joining us Dr. Tomi Ademoku, who is a transformational public health leader who's worked with several government agencies and is also a self-proclaimed Afro-optimist and also the host of the Wellness and Wahala podcast, who will join us and talk to us about the impact of the village and how we as Black people, Black transnationals, however you want to identify ourselves in the Black community, how we can continue to use our voices to be able to make change for ourselves in lieu of the pandemic, but even after that, even before that, how we should have been using our voices to make change and be change agents, using our power of change to grow the village and make it stronger. All right, but before we get into that, let's go through our formalities. If this is your first time listening to My Black is Transnational, you can find this podcast on anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Radio.com, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, you can find this podcast here. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe and download and listen to past episodes. It's been really good this season. I've been having a good time with amazing guests, so please make sure to binge listen when you get the chance. You can also follow the show on Instagram, which is where we're primarily at, at Black Transnational Podcast. Follow me at Black Transnational underscore. You can definitely check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. All that you need to know about the show is on that website as well. You can also email us at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com as well. All right. So now it's so interesting, Dr. Tony and I, what you'll see is um, just get a little insight is that, you know, we flow so well. I've happened, I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on her show, the Wellness and Wahala podcast, where we talk about, you know, wellness and Wahala, which is the African term. You know, Wahala is like trouble, you know, like issues that cause stress, right? And how you can be able to improve your health and wellness while avoiding Wahala, right? Like, um, so that we have a really good rapport and you can kind of tell in the conversation that we have but it was very interesting this episode because it's even though that even though i have a background in public health one of the things that i don't do enough i guess is really get deep into the public health implications about things but i really felt like this would be a really good time to do it in the spirit of black transnationalism and dr tomi is the perfect guest to join us and really go deep and we really get into this deep public health conversation that I think is very beneficial for you, the listener, because you truly get to understand how you, being part of whatever village you are in, can have a say, can make a difference, can influence one another. We get to talk about mentoring. We talk about why mentoring is very important to strengthen the village and how we can get you to use our voting rights, our abilities to be able to reach out to our senators, our ability to uplift one another, being kind to one another. He talks about the struggles of being a global um, um, global health worker and, and how that has its ups and downs, but that also allows her to be able to connect with her home and stay, in, and stay strong with her connections to her homeland. So we dive into a variety of topics, which I think is really, really interesting, and I hope that you all enjoy it as well. So... I think I've said enough. So now, here's my conversation with Dr. Tomi Omoba Ademoku. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. 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 Hello, everyone.
Welcome to My Dad's Podcast, My Blackest Challenge National Season 3. You can find us on anywhere you like to listen to good podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Black is Transnational. And today we have a special guest for this episode who allowed me the privilege to be on her podcast earlier this season. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we have a person who's high in demand as far as her time. And when we talk about just a a colleague of mine in in the field of public health, but one of the founders of our, this is Ayak Bon, as Yoruba people would say, this is... (laughs) A senior, senior uh, people as far as the you know, founder of my my home organization, the African Cultural Association, University of Illinois, and the, you know the, the the host of the Wellness Wilder podcast, um, and so many things else. But most importantly, Omoba, right? So we have Dr. Tomi. Yeah. Ademokun of the Wellness for Holler podcast and everything else joining me on the show. Sis, thank you so much for being on here. What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Likewise, likewise. I, like I said before, I know your time is is uh, is precious and high in demand, so I won't waste it too much. I want to enjoy every moment of this. So let's get right into it as far as just for those who may not know you, for those who may not have jumped on the Wellness Wildlife podcast yet, but looking to doing that by tuning in on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, please introduce yourself let people know who you are what you stand for what you represent yes so well thank you thank you for that great intro uh, my name is dr tommy better known as i'm a abba so and your Omo is is child and abba is king so baba god is uh my father Amen. the king of kings the lord of lords yes. so my nickname is i'm a abba and i'm also the host of the wellness and wahala podcast which is actually a spinoff so i actually the year before i was doing like live um shows on ig on facebook called wahala wednesday oh. so and then you know i always wanted to like refine it into a podcast um but still keep it original so mm-hmm. wellness um as it relates to public health issues um and and current affair topics and then wahala because all of us deal with some type of Wahala issue in our lives, uh-huh. whether personally or professionally. So I have special guests, like I've had you on the show, to give us great tips and gist on how to overcome various Wahala, you know, we go, we go experience. Uh-huh. So and I've been in the field of public health for whew, almost two decades now. Wow. So as you said, on campus, um, my alma mater at the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, I was the founder of the African um, Cultural Association, our student union, basically, because mm-hmm. we didn't really have a place um, to be proud of our culture and to celebrate the Africans on the campus um, that were doing great things, the Afro um, or Afro-Caribbean descent. So they had like Casa for the Latino people, you know, the Asian um, student union, but they didn't have the African student union. So it was great to establish um, that on campus 
And then afterwards, um, I went to grad school at Emory and then got a job with the top government public health agency and went back to serve in Nigeria because my dream was always, I've always been an Afro-optimist mm. and I always believe that us here in the diaspora, especially us first generational um, Nigerian mm-hmm. um, Americans or Africans, um, our parents, you know, migrated here, but many of them long to go back home and make an impact. So I wanted to take that journey um, back home and be able to, to serve my people with my skills um, and save lives in the field of public health, um, fighting the HIV, TB, and polio um, hmm. epidemic. So, yeah, so that's just a brief summary. <laughs> also fellow Nigerian, right? So we have to also, yes. we have to claim that as well. Um, yes, that, that, so. that was a fantastic uh, intro. I, I think, so I want to just get, especially because you just mentioned what I was going to talk about regarding the <laughs> your family members and, and, and connecting with Nigeria and going back and serving. What was your experience like growing up in a Nigerian environment, a Nigerian environment, as we jokingly call it, in America? Like, did you were you born? Were you born in the States? Were you so born in Nigeria? I was born and raised in Chi-Town. Really? So. Yes, I was born and raised. My parents actually migrated here. They, uh, my dad was on a federal government scholarship um, from Nigeria, so they paid for him fully, you know, scholarship for him and my mom to come to the U.S. He was an electrical engineer. My mom um, studied. She had a bachelor's of science in food management. But back at home, he was um, working in the Ministry of Mice and Powers, now mm-hmm. Ministry of Communications um, in Nigeria. My mom was working... Um, at Kings and, King and Queens College as like the chief um, catering officer. So she's always been into like food, but then later she changed to become a respiratory therapist because the food industry was very discriminatory on, you know, a Nigerian migrant um, in, in Chicago during um, the, the late 70s, early 80s when they migrated. Late 70s, because I was born 81, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was not easy. You know, being a first gen people, you know, still make fun of you because of course my mom is, you know, proudly Nigerian, so she gave me like the longest you are my name, <laughs> you know. So can you imagine in school, you know, my last name is Ademokon, so it starts with an A. So I'm always the first, first one, on yeah. the uh, roster. And they're like, um, we don't know how to say this name or they go butch out my name. I'm like, Look, my name has meaning, it means God is my king, you will know. Butch out my name. So either call me Tommy, I'm going to buy something that you can pronounce, but you will not uh, butch out my name. So I go teach you how to say it and you say it well because we are proud. Yes. So, and my mom, like during graduation ceremonies from like kindergarten to middle school to, you know, she always wear her full lace, yes. you know, attire, I hear tie. Daddy yes. will have his abada, will have the Nigerian flag. Yes. So we've always. I used to be like, why are they so extra? But yes. <laughs> you know, I'm proud. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it so, was, so it was like, a I mean, yeah, I know. Listen, I think we all can relate to that. And so then, like, what, because you were born here, right? What, like, inspired you to say, okay, you know what, though? Like, it's, it's one thing to be born in 
um, America and, you know, live the African life in America where, you know, you're exposed to the culture heavily. You're surrounded by a community of, you know, very similar people, this transnational community that I typically would call right. it. But like what inspired you to say, you know what, I'm going to take it a step further and I'll go back to Nige and I didn't even go and serve there, use my professional expertise to go and serve. Like what inspired that? So I would say it's, I've always been like that. So I think the foundation is just how my parents, how we grew up. So, you know, we um, I'm pr- I always tell people I have the best of both worlds. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm proud and I'm happy to be born here um, in the land of the opportunity. And my parents sacrificed a lot coming here. Um, but, you know, they always said, don't forget, you know, where we come from. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that has always stood to me, one. Two, um, I had one professor that always said, you know, you can't make a, a difference in, in the world unless you start from your own community, your own home. Yes. And our own, you know, local community is back at home, like in shambles. There's a lot of stuff going on in Nigeria. Even now, people don't um, put on the news. There's over two million people displaced, mm. you know, in the north of northeast of Nigeria. The terrorism, the insecurity, a lot mm-hmm. of farmers, a lot of, you know, people have been raped and and their livelihoods scattered and, you know, they have to flee to other states in Nigeria or even outside of Nigeria. So there's so much um, things that happen. Um, what even got me into public health, because, you know, I didn't even go at, into U of I <laughs> studying public health. A lot of people don't know. I actually started with computer science, computer engineer, but oh, I was right. like, oh, wow. I can't be in this digital computer lab always looking at, you know, programming like I'm a people's person. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, let me talk to my counselor. And that was like the year that my mom lost her brother to tuberculosis. He died. Um, and we're like, wow. And I'm like, mom, isn't tuberculosis <laughs> preventable? They got vaccines for it. And she was like, yeah, they misdiagnosed him. You know, they say he had malaria and some other stuff, but he really had TB. And by the time, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, let me read more into this. So I wanted to see how I'm going to um, make a difference. So even when I was in Chicago, like, I always work with underserved communities, mm-hmm. so either migrant communities or very poor communities. So even if I'm back here in, in, in the U.S., um, my my desire is always, you know, to work with communities that are very vulnerable and um, to try to close the gaps on a lot of the health disparities and, and to try to be an advocate and a voice. Um, to the voices. So a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said, oh, I want to go back home. They said, what? Yeah. Especially a lot of my cousins back at home. They said, are you mad? We we've been praying for visa to come to America. Right. And you, you've been born and bred there in the land of opportunity and you say you want to come here and suffer. But I said that you need to make, um, take it, I always tell people, you need to take advantage of your heritage. Mm-hmm. So I am very blessed to be both an American and both a Nigerian. So I knew that I know go go home and suffer as far as like salary or whatever. So right. I made sure that I made the right connections. So networking, having great mentors is yeah. key. I made the right connections where I was able to land a job in Nigeria with a U.S. government agency, you know, that was paying me in dollars, that was taking care of my housing, yeah. that, you know, took care. I had a driver, you know, diplomatic place, yeah. bulletproof, like I was I was taken care of very well and I was blessed. So not to say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't work with other organizations and which I did. I branched out to work for international organizations, British NGOs, humanitarian agencies and so forth. But 
when you're there, you need to make sure that you're with a company that you're covered. So God forbid something happens, like me and my daughter, we escaped a bomb blast near our house, um, and we have to get evacuated back to the U.S., and our company paid for that and, you know, moved us to a hotel quickly yeah. and all of that. So, because um, the Banix flies out near our house, and we say, too, Abuja got, got bombed yeah, near my estate and near my office. Wow. So so things like that, like people, you know, they always look at the luxury, like, ah, this one's a diplomat, this one's an expatriate. I'm like, no, you know, we, we sacrifice a lot. Um, my daughter has moved around a lot, you know, thank God for my village, my sisters, Toyn and TT, my mom, that, you know, keep her when I have to go along TDY. Yeah. And most of the time, like, she moves around with me. Like, my last post in Jamaica, she moves with me. Um, so she's been to different schools. So it's good because she learns different cultures. She knows how to adapt to right. different environments. Um, and she was able to even join the track team at her school. And Jamaica's like number one for tracking the world. So are. like things like that, you look at that. But and but what really hurt me, you know, now with this pandemic, you know, it's unfortunate. But nobody really cared, <laughs> I would say, for public health, like frontline workers, be, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. I tell people, oh, I'm a doctor of public health, what's that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for Korea Day, I'll go to my daughter's school and we'll play fun games. Um, they have fun apps that people should download now in <laughs> this pandemic. It's called um, Solve the Outbreak app by the CDC and then also Health IQ app. But there are cool ways to find out and to solve the outbreak one I really like because it's like you put on the hat of an epidemiologist. And, you know, they make it in a very cool way for children to understand. But they were like real life, like outbreaks in the past or epidemics mm-hmm. that that we um, were able to tackle. So this pandemic is just like the biggest that we've ever dealt with. But we've always been behind the scenes, whether it be Ebola or polio or Zika right. or H1N1 or SARS. I'm here like... I tell people, I said, we never have a shortage. If you go back to Bibeli, Mimo, the Bible, you go see plagues and diseases and illnesses and outbreaks um, for a very long time. So, you know, I just, I'm happy now that um, public health is at the front line. So I hope, one, more investment from the government, both the public and private sector, needs to go into public health. Because public health security is, at, it should be at the top of the line, like, you know, um, defense, mm-hmm. you know, security. Oh, yeah. How are you going to say you have military? Well, all your military power, your nuclear bombs, you can't kill this invisible virus. No. So you need to make sure that you also invest in public health security and, and make sure that our nation is secure and healthy um, and, and prevent public health crisis. So this is COVID-19. Yeah. If we w- were able to invest and 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 do what we need to do to, to, to quarantine and, 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 you know, all this, oh, social distance and everything, wear a mask. If we did that in, in 2019, this would have been avoided, this man. This thing's going to have turned to a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This thing so, would have been avoided. Prevention is better. Yeah. <laughs> but when we can't cry over spilled milk. Right. You know, so this thing happened, it don't happen. But, okay, I hope that, you know, all nations have learned their lessons. Like mm-hmm. when you're doing your national budget, when you cut that fiscal year budget, you public need to health. put public health. <laughs> yes. Invest at the in top yes. if there's bioterrorism warfare like china for example how about if you know hypothetically i don't know but i don't trust them how about if they <laughs> created this virus to destabilize the world that's bioterrorism you yeah. know what i'm saying so what are we doing in case somebody is creating a deadly virus that wants to throw off our economy and the world this has affected all of us including our children i mean yeah. you have children 
Like they got to go to school. I mean, this would be our children's children. Nobody's ever going to forget this time. It doesn't change everything. History. I mean, the trickle down effect has been immense, right? Like, I mean, you can see just again, as you mentioned, how much of a priority public health should be. Because one of the things that we, you know, I think, as you mentioned already, being in the same field as well, I definitely find myself in the position where sometimes, you know, people kind of take our people in our field for granted, right? Like it's not, unless you're talking about like the cold or like, you know, the SARS or something like really heavy. It's like, oh, now you want to regulate their their epidemiologists and people in CDC doing, even though, and I guess the the way you should kind of, people kind of look at it is like, well, if nothing is happening, then that means we're doing our job, right? Like if, if things aren't breaking out, then that means people are doing their job because preventative measures is like the number one thing. But like it, it still does come off um like for example like my wife's a pediatrician so like sometimes my daughter is like well who's the real doctor <laughs> like and i'm like right. we're both doctors you know what i mean like it doesn't <laughs> like we're both fine you know but we will we'll tease each other about that a little bit and it's like now you, when this breaks out you start to see of course people in the medical field are you know will get there be kind of put in that spotlight but people who are doing epidemiology and different types of public health um, practices and pr- promotion of good health behaviors and um, you know and preventative practices, you can kind of see the importance of it now because the trickle down if you don't put you know invest in this is immense. I mean the whole world shut down right like just because people felt it was more important to invest in in nuclear warfare and nuclear you know um, artilleries and things like that and and now you can see it's like see a life you see what you could have done you could have prevented this whole thing if this became a priority for people so no i, I agree right. with you a million percent yeah and you know is that thing where our parents would say pennywise pound foolish you know mm-hmm. so the money that they didn't want to spend now they're spending this on you know on trying to 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 to, to come up with a vaccine to try to come up with, you know, solutions to the mm-hmm. problem, you know, and they're sending out, you know, COVID checks to people, you know, because they, people, a lot of people have lost their jobs. So all that money that they didn't want to spend, they, they're spending it hundred times. Yeah, the price has gone up. Mm-hmm. Right. The price has gone up. <laughs> price is up now, so it's... Price is up. Price yeah. is up of food, starting, yeah. you know. Yeah. I said the price of food has went up. Price of everything has went up. Because, you know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to prioritize public health. So it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's been a lot of wahala, but it's been also a lot of blessing too mm-hmm. out of this pandemic. Because one, you know, I love like the, the opportunities to work from home now. So, and I think that that should be given to more people. I mean, unless you have to go in, you know, and you're on call and, you know, operation center or you're a clinician or you're a lab person, um, if you're not necessarily the essential, essential person mm-hmm. and you could be working from home, I think that, you know, a lot of companies now should change their policy to, you know, to let people adapt work-life balance. You know, they always talk about, oh, work-life balance, work-life. No, but now at least we get to work from home. We get to spend more time right. um, with our children and and we're able to do a lot of things, you know, multitask. You know, yeah. I can be on a Zoom call you know, throw something in the washer, you know, put the chicken out to defrost and fish, you know, (laughs) and and season, you know, you know, boil my rice, everything at the same time. Um, And I don't have to think about, oh, you know, going into traffic, even traffic accidents. I would like to see the statistics after, you know, after this pandemic, like during the pandemic, 
you know, the mortality and morbidity that decreased significantly on the road due to motor vehicle accidents, you know, which are extremely high, um, at least in in in, in Georgia. <laughs> well, yeah, Georgia for sure. I mean, living I mean, yeah. living in Georgia for a little bit. Um, you know, I, my wife used to always tell me because she went to Morehouse um, and School of Medicine, not the regular Morehouse. Um, but uh, but um, she. <laughs> She with Atlanta traffic is wild, like similar to like LA traffic. Is there's like yeah. New York traffic in New York City? I'm not in New York City, but when I go to New York City, those three areas for sure. But I can only imagine like what <laughs> what could transpire in in ATL, um, especially now, like after right, the aftermath of this particular um, pandemic. I can, I would think that you know when when it comes down to it, there's a lot of lessons that we could we learned through this pandemic that we're still that's still ongoing because i think that as you said just the way just the way we function now right as a as a um as a you know as a workforce right like i think that what you mentioned as far as people being able to work from home like that now has to be put in question as a particular standard and it's always been a question that Americans would kind of ask, but it'd be ignored as far as the overworking of the American, right? Like going to working these crazy hours, five, five days, sometimes six, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, other, other places in the world you'd see like in Germany and other places, they're not working as, as hard, but they're still producing. And, and that that was a lot of things that a lot of researchers would study as far as, okay, well, is it worth Mm -hmm. working five days a week? Shouldn't the, the average worker have four days a week? And I think now, like even with that being said, I think even now you can see that maybe the environment, maybe things need to kind of change. Maybe you could still work, but maybe having some days where you're at home, like more people should work from home and be able to, especially those who need to, like you said, like being a mom and having to multitask and take care of your kids and be able to, because that plays right. a major role in productivity. If you got so much stuff going on at home that you got to take care of, you're not able to really function. You're just looking at the watch. I mean, you're looking at your clock trying to right. figure out what you're going to do when you get home and you're not maximizing right. your your potential as far as what you're supposed to do with your work. So that, I mean, there are going to be so many changes. Like by 2022, even by the end, by the time we talk again <laughs> at the end of this year, there's going to be so many changes that are going to be up yeah. for consideration that, that need to be implemented. Yeah, this is going to be like the new normal. Like I hear, mm-hmm. you know, comments and people say, oh, I wanted to, I can't wait to get back, you know, how we used to be. It's not going to mm-hmm. get back. No, this is going to no. be here for a while. No. Um, this is a pandemic. It takes time. And especially now that, you know, they have multi-strand, you know, variants coming out <laughs> of this of this virus. This probably already existed, but we just never had the testing capabilities, you know, to even discover mm-hmm. that there were multiple strands um, of COVID. So 19. So, you know, I tell people, I said, you know, we need to be able to adjust and be resilient. You know, Africans, that's what we are, especially. Mm-hmm. I think we've always been Africans, Blacks. We are, we've been through a lot and we've always been resilient. But there's still a lot of people that are not going through, you know, um, any good times, you know, you lose a job and, you know, you have children to feed and, you know, the government is not supporting you. Unemployment is cut off and all that other stuff. You know, you got the House of Assembly, you know, fighting over petty stuff instead of them passing a bill, you know, to bring relief um, to their citizens and constituents. So Mm -hmm. I tell people, I said, this is the time, you know, I wrote a lot of letters 
to my um senator yeah I, I, we've <laughs> seen know? on instagram we know <laughs> like, yes for those you know, who follow even on you. and they listen to stuff like that yeah. like you know like i said it's simple things like that and i'm like okay well this is how i know how to fight you know yeah um other people can go and protest which you know i can go out one or two days but i'm more of like you behind know public scenes. we more advocacy we behind the yeah. scenes you yeah. know advocacy yeah. health policy i'm yeah. like you do all of that in the streets, yeah. but if it doesn't lead to concrete policy changes and for them to put stuff in writing and it's you hold the fire, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and hold them accountable, mm-hmm. it, it no go happen, nothing exactly. go change. So exactly. you have to be able to understand the system and understand your rights as a as a citizen, as an active, this is your active citizenship. Yes, yeah. you can go out and protest, but there is, there is, um, there is a timeline and there's a roadmap to to actually utilizing the change that you want to see. You you have to be that change agent and you have to be able to understand that roadmap and say, okay, this is what I have power to do. You don't have to be, you know what I'm saying, a doctor to, to be able to write your senator. He's your senator. You put him there. Even if you didn't vote for him, it don't matter. He's mm-hmm. there to serve you. Yeah. So write to him. You know, if it's Illinois, Senator Dick Durbin, he's really good. You contact him, yo. He's going to, and you ask, I, I want a response within a week. He's going to respond, you mm-hmm. know, um, and he's going to assign a caseworker on whatever issue. He's going to give you legitimate reasons. You know, if you say, oh, I don't support this policy. And when you go in to vote, I want you to vote against this policy, or I want you to add this, or I want, you know, I want you to speak up on the NSARS that's happening in Nigeria because we are all global citizens. Yeah. And for foreign policy, you sit on the task force for foreign policy issues. So Nigeria is the most populated country in Africa. Yes. So anything that happens in Nigeria go affect the whole Africa. Anything that happens mm-hmm. in Africa, you guys have U.S. government resources there, embassy, diplomats. So I think you guys should wake up. So it's just how you they package, you know, you know, it don't have to be perfect. Yo, you need to do this. And I'm waiting for your response within the next seven days exactly. or 48 hours. Like they got to respond. And so, so, but And everything is online now. So people mm-hmm. should take advantage of that because of this pandemic, even government offices have been forced, you know, to, to do stuff virtually, do Zoom and video calls. And then I used to question like, yeah, I mean, do we have to have all these meetings and things like that in person before? Mm-hmm. Like all of that now, obviously there's a new way of doing things. So people need to be able to adjust and, and, and to be flexible. Like my key word in this pandemic is flexibility. Yes, <laughs> yes. My my, my keyword this my keyword this pandemic has been fluidity. <laughs> and that's what I've been oh. like being just being is very virtually the same thing, no pun intended. But yeah. it's like it's um you know, one of the things that I was going to ask you a different question, but I think you're leading along the lines of something that I think is becoming even more interesting than the question I was going to ask, which is as far as our people are concerned, right? Like that's one of the things that I think is a very overlooked aspect of what we do as Africans, which is understanding the health policy component and the impact that we have, like the franchise ability as that we have as people to be able to make change through connecting with your, like we don't, I don't, I don't necessarily believe at least from my own, I'm going to consider, I'm going to call it my own ignorant because I'm not necessarily surveying people (laughs) and everything, but I don't see us as a community really do that enough. It's like, we're worried about what's going on back home. And we just sit here and mind our business and say, well, that's not our own. Like this is the American people. people." Like, it's really weird. Sometimes we're just like, oh, that's not my own problem. It's like, that's your own people. That's your own. We just want to do our own thing, mind our business, keep our head down. We're not trying to create any wahala, right? Like, so we don't want to contact, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Yeah. Why why, why is that? Why? Because 
because our people are used to living in their comfort zone. Do you understand? Yeah. So and we like to talk like, let's be honest, like, excuse my language, but Nigerians, especially Africans, but Nigerians, we like to talk a lot of shit. Yeah. But some of them don't like to back it up. We're proud you know of talking saying? shit. Yeah. So, so, so one of it, like when I went back home, like a lot of people, you know, and they have valid reasons, you know, they'll say, oh, well, my brother tried to go home, you know, and build a clinic in our village, you know, and they vandalized it and, you know, they almost killed him. And some people, you know, mm-hmm. even say, oh, my brother went home and he joined politics and he was doing well and they assassinated him. Mm-hmm. You know, they have legit reasons, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Why? They're like, look, forget, like, <laughs> you know, Niger- Africa has a lost cause. And I said, no. You know that I'm I'm optimistic, but there's a price. Like people forget, even in America, they, a price was made. Civil rights, a lot of lives were mm-hmm. <laughs> below was shed. Yeah, <laughs> people yeah, forget that. Yeah. that there was a price made after <laughs> Martin Luther King. You know, he was a beating. He was thrown in jail. You know, people look. That's a price. He yeah. went to jail. I tell people, I say, Have you been to jail? When's the last time? You know, we especially all these big churches. They say, Oh, God. You know, we're supposed to be like Christ. No, Christ, he was for the people that were the most, like, oppressed, you know, outcasts. I mean, he had fishermen, gangsters as his disciples. Like, when's the last time somebody visited a prison? They said, why should I go to a prison? I said, yes. I said, when have you been able to drop Bibles or, you know, drop books or just go and lift up somebody? I said, is there everybody in jail that's that's, that's guilty? No. No. Even Jesus was locked up. So mm-hmm. I, I said, I said, that's, facts. I that's, said facts. that's one. It's like our mindset in our community. Uh, we like to talk a lot, but we don't like to back it up. That's mm-hmm. one. And then two, we we don't we always like look at that price, you know. And it's maybe like just the way we were brought up. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we don't want trouble. You know, that's not yeah. that. Yes, and politics is a lot. Like when even when I wanted to to study public health, I was more into you know the global health part, the mm-hmm. epidemiology. And when it came to the health policy and management, I was more into the management. I really didn't care. I'm gonna be honest with the policy. Yeah. Um, and then when I started working, you know, at at the the government, the top public health agency, you know, my boss always used to say, "You look." He said, "You know, in everything that we do in public health, the the most impactful way is to." It's to make an impact in policy. Yeah. So he used to give me tasks to review policies and to sit on task force oh with, God. you know, senior management with the ambassador. You know, I would be the only black girl there. I would be the youngest. I was only 23, y'all, wow. when I went, you know, to Nigeria and I was working with the CDC. So, you know, it, 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 it's just a big honor, you know. And um, I said that, you know, it, it's very odd to see, you know, somebody in their 20s, a black female, you know, being able to sit at those very crucial meetings yeah. and, you know, first listen in. So he'll say, okay, first listen in. And then he'll now say, okay, well, tell me, you know, you're doing well. So what do you, you know, what do you think? You know, did you think this policy went well? Do you think we need to rewrite it? Okay, so then he'll now, you know, put me on different task force. So he'll say, okay, do you want to be on the PMTCT task force, which is prevention of mothers to child transmission? I was like, yeah. So I'm able to affect policy and strategies and our programs in, in that area. So policy is, is really the way to go. Yeah. If you're not able to go in and be able to influence. So if I'm coming, you have to look at the bilateral agreement. That's a policy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're meeting with the Minister of Health. You're saying, okay, we're going to help you, you know, with your HIV epidemic. You know, this is our strategy. You know, get their input. 
then you develop a country operational plan that's specific to their needs and their communities. Then you have to, you know, meet with state government officials and the local government area officials, LGA, you know, and then you have to meet with the beneficiaries of the program, people that are HIV positive, you know, and, and get their feedback and say, okay, you know, is our policy working? And that always be, that's why I say flexibility is key because you can write a policy, but by the time I get down, to the beneficiaries, which is the main people that I like to hear from, like, okay, who is our target population? Exactly. Is this policy really working for them? Mm-hmm. So when I go on site visits and I go on outreach, like, it, one of the things I love doing is, is field epidemiology, going to the site, to the field, you know, at and the community like level, assessment. at the health center level, and talking, you know, to the people there, mm-hmm. the practitioners, traditional yeah. birth attendants, traditional and non-traditional people, you know, because yeah. in some villages, in, in Nigeria that are very poor. They don't go to the hospital to deliver their, their baby. They have this experience, TBA, traditional yeah. birth attendant or yep. midwife, Oda, yep. Mama in the community who, you know, might be even a retired nurse or whatever, but she is the one that's more experienced than even, you know, the nurse or doctor in the clinic in that area. <laughs> She's delivered, you know, let's say a thousand babies versus mm-hmm. the doctor that's only delivered a hundred babies. I'm going to go to the person that delivered a thousand because practice makes perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that is, you know, when policy in itself is not, as I would tell, you know, some of my students, it's not the sexiest area to kind of go into, but it's the most important. It's the backbone. It's the spine. It's It's it's, the backbone. It's where everything happens. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said before. And And if you don't have that, you know, it's like you build a house on, uh, a sandy foundation, no go stand. Exactly. You understand? You can have a the most fancy mansion, but if your if your foundation and policy is really the just like you said, the backbone, the foundation. If you don't have a good policy, okay, it's finished. Now you said something that I want to touch on, which was the the fear, right? And I and I was actually that you kind of is is you know I like the way we always flow because it, we kind of <laughs> end up working our way back into you know what we want to do. But like one of the things you mentioned was like the way like people will respond like your family members when you said you wanted to go mm-hmm. back right there is this fear like you even mentioned you know people going into politics in nigeria and then someone gets assassinated because they're trying to make a difference and it kind of leads to this fear and you know we even see what's happening with the nsars movement and i want you to talk about that a little bit but like what you know what ended up being the your reason to say okay you know what like I, we don't need to have this fear, right? Because there's an, there's an, uh, uh, the way people talk about Nigeria sometimes, if you were raised in America and, and had no idea, you're like, yo, like, I don't want to go. Like, even when I talked to Titi when she came to the podcast, you know, a couple years back, she was like, yo, when I first, you know, I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, like, I ain't trying to go. But, you know, my sis was there and then we ended up, you know, right. going. But, like, there's this initial, like, uh, I don't know, because you see, you hear about the corruption. Of course, the media doesn't always do us any justice, but, like, there's still that reluctance to want to go back so like what, what's your message to people who are having this especially now that it's fueled by the NSARS movement what, what do you say to that yes so that that's an excellent one so I'm a firstborn so I've always been resilient um not that I I don't have fear but you know when you're a firstborn you have this fearless nature mm-hmm. um so I think that that's that's one for me that that God ordained for me too I'm going to be honest, like my secret sauce is by by God. When Amen. I got um, to working in Nigeria, and I've done a lot of work in Ghana, from Senegal, Dakar, to Burkina Faso. Imagine going to some of these places. I'm not even, you know, French speaker, French, you yeah. know, Francophone, African countries. I have to get a translator, you know. So it's, I've always, always 
sought God first. And I always say, you know, God, that you made this way. And as I go there, you know, give me wisdom. And I'm always going in the community and I'm always humble, you know. So, you know, I won't come in there where like, ah, I work for this big, you know, agency and I'm here to tell you what to do. First, I go into those communities and I and I say, you know, I want to listen to you. I want to hear what's been going on and how I can help you, how I can serve you. Like, my job is well done, good and faithful servant. You are the leaders. You take the lead for your nation. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm coming in, yes, I might be the subject matter expert. I might be able to give you tools. My job is to give you the tools and the capacity to help fill the gaps that you guys are seeing and then leave. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And empower you to take the lead. So it's also, it's just it's perspective and knowing that. Um, and then the fear aspect, you know, I, I tell people my secret sauce is always that. Like prayer is key. Mm-hmm. I think my prayer life um, got stronger being back at home um, and just really understanding, you know, what is my destiny? And knowing that, you know, when... You know, because I've been through some some serious situations, so it's not it's not all rosy. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna tell you that, but I think that through my journey, people knowing me personally or just hearing about me has motivated a lot of people to go back home to work. Some have even went temporarily, you know, for medical missionary trips, you know, short term, yeah. and the su- summer were like doctors without borders. Some just go home to be like, yo, I heard Nigeria is popping in December, Dutchy December, yes. we go go, you know, socialize. So they so they go home for the first time. So even Titi, you know, she took a lot of her sorority members mm-hmm. home. Um, some of her Delta um, sorority sisters to Nigeria. They even went to Morocco, you know, for the first time. They've never been to Africa. And some of them even returned um, the next year to, to Ghana, Afrochilla, nice. um, that happened, you yeah. know, before the pandemic. So my whole thing is, like, I've always wanted to be a lifeline, to be like, look, I want to be able to motivate first-generational people like me and also African-Americans and others, you know what I'm saying, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are not even African-American but always have love, you know, and and always wanted to to, to come learn and to come experience Africa, to be like, yo, come, you know, anytime, you know, some of my classmates, so even when I was, you know, working in, in Abuja, like one of my classmates from Emory, he was like, oh, you know, I'm working with, you know, NIH. So he was on a diplomatic trip mm-hmm. and he came and he was like, oh, he's like, I'm going to make sure, you know, I see you. And I, he typically, I think he even chose, you know, that trip because he was like, I think Tommy's in Nigeria, so I'm going to come. It can't be that bad. You know, <laughs> like, you know, so like if, if, if he did it, you know, if he didn't know that I was there and I was doing okay, I think Darrell, he would have passed on like, no, I don't think I'm going to go, you know, send yeah. somebody else, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, it's, you know, it's good. And, you know, and I was like, ah, I said, if you're here in Nigeria, you know, I have to take you, you know, because when visitors come, you know, they stay in a hotel, they scare them, right. you know, their security briefings, they right. like, ah, Nigeria has, I'm like, no, everywhere, you know, you just have to use your common sense. I'm not going to be walking in the middle of the night by myself exactly. as a female at 1 a.m. Okay, yeah, somebody's going to rob you. Like, you know, so that can happen in Chi-Town. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to be in the wrong place at the, the wrong, wrong time, time, even in Atlanta. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? College Park. Like, there's a, so I tell people, yeah, you still got to use your common sense any country you go to. But people should come. So I was like, ah, we have to go to a local joint. You know, we went to and, and ate, you know, live fish. You know, they grilled it for him. You know, fish and chips. You know, we took him to a nice lounge. Like, he, he ate suya, you know, yeah. for the first time. Like, you know, Top <laughs> so life, he yeah. bought a lot of, you know, African attire, material, and art. So I think it's, it's good to 
it's okay to be fearful because we're human beings, yeah. but you should never let fear overcome. You know, you should have faith. So even in this pandemic, I always say, you know, faith over fear. And, you know, you should look at, you should look at the facts, you know. So a lot of the, the fear is because of myths or stereotypes or, you know, from, from bad things that have truly probably even happened <laughs> in Nigeria. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen to you. There's bad things, very bad things that happen here in America. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, that it will happen to you. But, you know, it's just the favor of God and his protection that we're alive. But we should not, you know, do something to our, expose ourselves, you know, and put ourselves at higher risk if we're overseas, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. so you know, the, the fear part was never... An issue to me, my passion, you know, for for giving back and wanting to work um, in in my community. Like I was the first Nigerian American um, to ever to ever work and be posted, you know, at the CDC. Now there's other CDC people that have been posted, you know, that are Nigerian American that have went to Nigeria and mm-hmm. served after me. I, it, it never happened before me. You wow. know, my country director that hired me then was Wayne Duncan, and he was my mentor. He's he's Jamaican American. So, you know, that was the closest they got to any black person (laughs) at the Nigeria program. Um, So so I always think that, you know, it's it's always good. It's fearful, especially if you're first. You know, I was the first black female, you know, and the youngest to go work, you know, with the CDC in Nigeria overseas office. I was the first. So and when you're the first and when you're a trailblazer, you go through a lot because you're the guinea pig. You know what I'm saying? I'm the one that's fighting to make sure that it's an enabling (laughs) environment so other people can come after me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. A lot of pressure is put on me to do a good job, you know? Yeah. And I mean, so like, you know, you've always been trailblazing. You've done with ACA. You've done with so many other (laughs) things. This is what you do. It's in your blood. And like, so, you know, I want to know. When you mentioned being this lifeline for, you know, for Nigerian Americans, first generation, second generation, and even like African Americans. So like, what was your experience when you were growing up? What was your experience as far as how African Americans perceived the relationship between the immigrants and African Americans? And hey. has it changed now? You know, is it still the same? Because yes. like, what's been, oh, what's been that my about? Goodness. That's a good, that's a good one. So, you know, when we was when we were when we first were on the north side, um, so we used to live on the north side. We were born on the north side um, yes. at uh, Forty Eight Forty Eight North Winter. Then we moved to the oh, south. Oh, I know Forty Eight Forty Eight. What you know about Forty Eight Forty Eight? Yes, the blue building. <laughs> I know about it. Oh my you god! Yes, yes. And I then used we to live moved to the south side, the other hood, which is like Fifty West Seventy First Street. So that's that big white building off of the Dan Ryan. I know exactly so what you're talking about. Live. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so we lived there. So I went to St. Columbus. So we went to Cali then, and then we moved to the suburbs afterwards. So, but my experience when I was growing up, it was actually, you know, I- I'll be honest with you, like my African American friends that I always try to be friends with, a lot of them were not really nice to me when I was um, in elementary and middle school. When I got to high school, it was cooler because we formed a clique. Of course, you mm-hmm. know, um, there was a lot of Nigerians and Jamaicans in my high school at Hillcrest. So. I, I formed the Nigerian Jamaican Mafia. We called ourselves <laughs> JM. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so, so, so 
high school, it was cooler because it was more of us um, at my high school. But in, in elementary and middle school, like some of those like, oh, you know, African booty scratcher, Shaka oh Zulu, God, yes. you know, all types of like terminology. But my mom was always good. Like she would say, you know, always have a comeback. So like the next day I'll go and make them cry. I'm like, no, your people were Shaka Zulu. You know, our people were the royal people, kings and queens. Like mm. we know where we come from. You don't even know your DNA, where you come from. Yeah, Africa. yeah. yeah. So they, <laughs> that, that hurts, man. Cry. <laughs> yeah, like hurts. I remember one girl, she cried. She was like, oh, she said that I don't know where I come from, that my ancestors are slaves and she, her ancestors are kings and queens. And I said, well, she called me an African booty scratcher. So I had to tell her about history. I said, if anybody was scratching booty, it's probably your people. Wow. Not mine. That's why. <laughs> oh, this shade, so, my God. So, you know, when I'm looking back at it, I'm like, man, my mom and dad, they were straight gangsters. Like, they, wow. they, they were always proud and they let us know, like, look, we come from a, a good background. We mm -hmm. came into this country legally, not illegally. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, it, it, slavery is, is bad and, you know, and slavery didn't just start here in America. It's been going on for a long time. But I tell people that you know, our the the hate that we experience within our community is even worse than exactly. we experience outside of our community. Exactly, I really sis. feel like the racism yes. and the prejudice and all, you know, the stuff that happens to us outside of the community, the the most pain that I have experienced in my life has been within my community, whether it be the Nigerian community or the African American community. Yeah. And I always want to be able to change that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not perfect and I tell people I'm like, you know, even if I make mistakes but you know, I tell people, I'm like, how do you be a lifeline? How do you use your time, your talent, your treasures to be able to make a difference in somebody's life? Even if somebody asks you for money, for example, you don't have that money, but you have something that will help them get money. You'll say, okay, look, I don't have, you know, the money that you're looking for right now. Um, or if you need, you know, you know, two bags of rice, I only have one bag of rice. Let me give it to you. I don't have, you know, money to give you, but I can help you do your CV. I can help you call a couple of my contacts to exactly. help you get a job that will get you money. So instead of that African proverb, instead of giving you fish, I go teach you how I to fish. fish. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. So I, I think people, you know, in our community, so the, the stereotype has always been like now it's so cool. You know what I'm saying? Like Afrobeat is on the map. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear African-Americans, you know, and um, talking about Davido Wizkid, but it's still not to the level where we need to get, even with, um, I think, black American culture. So when I first started working um, and I went back home. And in 2004, you know, I did my internship in Lagos, and then I went, um, and then I graduated December 2004 with my master's in public, and then I went to work in, in Abuja um, with the CDC in 2005. It was, look, when I went there, I was shocked. Like, do you know they did not have BET? You know, uh, they, like, I would say, oh, you know, we'll be watching, like, our DSTV, our GoTV. I'm like, mm -hmm. where's BET? Where's MTV? They're like, what? we don't know anything about that so they didn't even really know like <laughs> the black yeah, entertainment exactly. culture yeah. like like they you know like i thought they did and then also you know mtv based africa like later they came and now bet now later came. so i think it's on both sides too mm -hmm. you know that that also in africa uh, i saw that there was a lot of stereotypes for black americans mm -hmm. you know and and saying oh you know, this is what we hear from the movies and, you know, from the media. Yeah. So media has a lot of influence on people's mindsets. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, of course, the negative impact of, of what they show of Africa, they're always showing the poverty side. And I'm like, how come they don't show the risk side? But yeah. now, you know, because we have YouTube and Netflix and, 
you know, they now get to see, like, I have even white and Asian friends that I work with, like, oh, they watch Nollywood movies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I want to go to a Nigerian wedding, or I didn't know you guys party like that. Do you understand? That, mm-hmm. You guys have money, or you understand? So it's, it's now that that um, that people are changing the game and the culture, and it's really because people are getting a seat at the table you know, to be in those in those positions, you know, you're seeing more black producers, uh, women producers, you know, that are making looking like insecure. You know, they're making their own films yeah. and 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 they're getting them on major platforms where they're able to to show the positive side of our culture. So I always tell people that everybody can make a change by being your ambassador for your community. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If yeah. you don't see it, then you then you puppet. You know what I'm saying? Like. When we go out, you know, on special events, you know, I'm wearing my, my African attire. You know what I'm saying? Even if, you know, at my at my office, if they say, oh, let's dress up. I'm like, look, I don't believe in Halloween. But if you say dress up, <laughs> hey, I go dress up like a Nigerian princess. And I go win the contest. Do you know what I'm yeah. But I go teach them something. Even when I was in Jamaica, let me let me tell you this one, which I'm so proud of. So we had a, a, a office decorating contest. You know, it was mm-hmm. a Christmas holiday. And my daughter was like, so we have to come up with a theme. So if you have a cube or you have an office, you have to decorate it. And then they'll go around the, the U.S. embassy and they'll judge, you know, who had the best one. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud. So my daughter, she picked the theme, let it snow. So we dressed up. So my, my U.S. Um, ambassador, his wife was actually from Morocco, which I didn't even know until later. So his wife was from Morocco. Um, and for all of you guys that don't know where Morocco is, that's that's the northern part of Africa. So some people think Morocco's in the Middle East. I'm like, no, it's wow. it's, it's the northern part of Africa. So and in Morocco, it snows. So what we did was I put up beautiful pictures of Morocco, and me and my daughter, because um, my my sister and her sorority sister, they went to Morocco, so she bought me some nice um, Moroccan outfits. So we dressed up as like Moroccan princess. And then people came, you know, to my office. And when the judges came, you know, so she had my daughter decorated it with snow and everything, let us know. And then we and then we did like a trivia game. So we said, okay, which country in the world did, did you know, are these places where it's snow? You know, and then we asked them, okay, does this snow in Africa? Can this be Africa? They're like, oh, no, this is Europe. This is America. This is Colorado. <laughs> so nobody got it right. So at the end, you know, we let them know, like, oh, you know, this is Morocco, you know, this is actually South Africa. There's different, there's about seven countries in, in Africa, I think Algeria, a lot of them that's no. So just that myth and misconception. So we actually won, like we got a big, you know, award nice. um, from the public affairs section and the CLO, which is like the community liaison um, officer that, that throws all the parties and events at the embassy. And they threw like a big piece of party with the Marines, everybody like cheering us on you know, for winning that contest. So I always use, like, every opportunity as, like, a learning opportunity, you know? So it was mm-hmm. fun to bring my daughter in to help me decorate. She came up with a theme, but I'm like, okay, let's do a trivia game. Let's let some people learn that Africa is so diverse and beautiful, you know? But mm-hmm. people don't people don't know. It's only, it's only what they teach you that they know, you know? So you have to broaden. And these are top diplomats, so I said, you guys are top diplomats. You don't even know this. Can you imagine? <laughs> wow. So that was, that was a great, that's like one of my best awards. I'm like, you know, people can say, ah, award of appreciation. I'm like, that one was good. Because when I say other people, they went all out. Like, you know, of course, the typical Christmas decorations and stuff. But 
we like we did it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And it sounds, you know, as we're getting ready to wrap up, one of the things that I think about is that just reflecting on what you're saying, I always feel like for me personally and my work that I do um, is that once we're able to bridge, continue to bridge the gap, like you said, things are better, but things aren't where they need to be. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, bridging those gaps would be very, very beneficial for the overall public health of the black population. Right. I think yeah. if you're able to alleviate the tension and mend the wounds and the relationships between African immigrants, black immigrants from the diaspora and African-Americans, I think it can really bode well for public health. And since we pretty much spent the theme of this conversation initially has been on public health, I want to know, you know what your take is on that. Like, do you think that is something that could be beneficial or is just, am I just losing my mind here and going on, on a tangent? No, I think it's, it's possible, you know, and, and, you know, even like how your podcast, like black is transnational, like, mm-hmm. it, you know, we're transnational beings and we need to be able to be first open to learning, but also open, you know, to, like I said before, being a lifeline um, to each other and, you know, anything is possible, but, you know, we need to take the right step. Yeah. To do what we need to do. So first, you know, make sure that you have the right mentors. When it comes to like health disparities, like medical, for example, yeah. health disparities, I make sure that, you know, the people in my community, I support. You have to support the people in your community and that will even close the gap. So yeah. I even did a talk on that, on health disparities um, at U of I, you know, um, at the Black House. They have this virtual um, health talk and, you know, the topic I, I chose was like health disparities, you know, in the African and African diaspora community and the black community. I said one of the things that people don't notice is that the the disparity, the gap is is in mortality rate and morbidity rate, the death and illness rate is is way lower when you go to a black practitioner. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like how your or wife is a pediatrician. If I live in your community, she will be my daughter's pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I know that she will go the extra mile. Exactly. You know? So my exactly. daughter pediatrician, you exactly. know, I looked her up, you know, when I went to the children's hospital listserv, I went and I looked for who was a Nigerian. So I said, oh, Dr. Oyetunde. And she's even a Spanish speaker. She, you know, she's, and I said, oh, I reached out to her. I said, oh, I want you to be my daughter's pediatrician. That was, um, when I was in Chicago, even here in Atlanta, same thing. I looked it up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so she has that for her, for me, for my, for my gynecologist, my gynecologist was actually referred by my, from my general practitioner, my family physician, he's a Nigerian, you know, and I said, Oh, Dr. Ajayi, I want to, you know, I'm looking for a good gynecologist. He said, Oh, okay. Um, you know, call this lady. She's a black American and she always goes the extra mile. You know, mm-hmm. even if I'm out the country, I'm like, oh, I need you to refill, you know, my, my prescription, right. give it to my sister so she can mail it to me through the diplomatic pal so I can get it at the embassy. Like, all, all of that, like, she, you know, you can be able to, to, you know, to close a lot of gaps when we support each other, you know? Right. When you go and you get services from another community, they don't understand your culture. They don't, you know, even when my grandma was here. The doctors, the surgeons, the people that dealt with her were like Nigerians or Ghanaians. They were Africans, you know. So, you know, so they would go the extra mile. Um, And and they would even come in and they'll say, ah, my mom, how are you doing? You know, did you eat today? You know, did the nurses treat you well? And then she'll say, ah, no, they didn't treat me well. One thought I didn't understand English, though. And then I had to, you know, I was just ignoring her and pretending because the way she was talking to me, you know. So, 
Yeah. You know, so he'll just laugh and everything. And then he'll like, okay, do you want me to switch the nurse? You know, so yes. And then to know that you have a right, like people think, even when you go to the ER, the emergency room, you don't know anybody, but you can, you can say, look, I do not feel comfortable with this person. And I'm telling you, Africans, blacks, we're everywhere. They have to have at least one black rap. And you, ha- you have the right yeah. to demand, look, I'm not comfortable with this doctor. Can y'all give me the black doctor that's on call or the African? Do you got a Nigerian on duty? Exactly. Yes. If I go to, a car, you know, dealership, and I want to buy a car. They're making commission. I'm going to ask, yo, you got a black salesman, a Nigerian salesman? <laughs> Who here? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know them personally, but I'm going to make sure that the person that's getting my commission is going to my community. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. and that's the way that that's we need to operate. It has yeah. to be part of our culture yeah. and system, you know? Yeah. And it has to be systemic. It we need to, to change that. Yeah. Because they have pretty much colonized us, mm-hmm. and we're. I tell people about that. It's like we're still living in modern day slavery. Like we mm-hmm. need to, mm-hmm. we need to break a lot of these chains yes. off of us, you know. And a lot of it is the mental chains of people not, you know, having the right tools and knowledge. Like no. And when we start supporting each other, you know, and say, oh yes, you know, I have a black or African gynecologist, pediatrician for my children, everything, then. You know, more money also comes back to our community, you know, mm. <laughs> so that also builds us, you know, you know, the social economic, you know, all the social determinants of health, like all of that is there. Mm. So, you know, you just go around the wheel and, and you're able to, you know, to, to close that gap. But the reason is, you know, even sometimes in our community, when you go in, you know, when I first went overseas, you know, if they don't see an only boat person, I go in, you know, I have a talk with the Minister of Health. That was the first time I... You know, I even heard, like, he was like, oh, are you the PA? I said, what is the PA? Mm. He was like, are you the secretary to the to that director? I said, wow. no. Wow. I said, the director has a master's in public health like me. He said, what school? Then he was even... <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. <laughs> I can never forget that. He was like, what school did you go to? Can you imagine? It's so embarrassing. And a room full of, like, diplomats and other multilateral, you know, partners, WHO, CDC colleagues, NHIH. He was questioning me. He was like, I'm like, but you didn't question the other white people that walked in here. And I'm going to be even, I'm going to be the one that even has your back more than anybody here. But you questioned me because you see a young Nigerian American girl. So he was like, what school did you go to? And I said, Emory University. He said, Emory in Atlanta. I said, yes, sir. (laughs) Why are we so harder on ourselves than we are on others? They've been trying to get in there, but they didn't get in. Ah, can you write him a letter of recommendation? Can you go? I said, I he insulted me. Wow. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. And belittled me in front of, you know. So it goes to like say that it, we need to support our own, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you wouldn't question me if I was somebody else. But because I walked in and you're like, oh, so that's age discrimination, that's sexism, because you're like, okay, this young girl. And then you're like, okay, what qualifications so we always have to be overqualified in our role because we have to always prove you know what i'm saying that we're on top of our game and and it should not be so but even to our own people though like that's the thing right like you said i mean as you're finishing so strong here my sister i didn't want to stop you but like (laughs) you know is the you, you you really key on something very powerful which is the village Right, like that when you're when you're explaining the whole thing about securing your own community, that's the village, right? That's the village mentality. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking about bushman, bushwoman type mentality, but like the village mentality where it takes all of us to depend on each other, to be vulnerable enough to rely mm-hmm. on each other and, and look 
to support each other and not compete with each other, but collaborate with one another so that we can be able to create that system that you just highlighted earlier. Like that village mentality means so much. When you're able to find that, you rely on that pediatrician and that gynecologist and that doctor and that salesman and whoever, like being able to know that we're one big village and, and we can all get to the point where we can see that. That's is that's the key right there. Like you said, that's you know that's yeah. one of the sauces. In addition to, of course, prayer and you know prayer and, and faith, but like that's one of the other sauces, the other key. We are that one we big village, yeah. global village, and this world as big as it is, seven billion people is not a small world though. Yeah, because there's people that I have ran into in different parts of the world. I'm like, I, I never thought I would run into them. So yeah. I I tell people, I said we are one big village, and yeah. we need to be able to have each other back once yeah. again use our time our talent and treasure to lift every one of us up that's how we can be a lifeline and be able to build our community up and not look down on nobody you know nobody when i was back at home i respected everybody from the cleaners to the drivers mm-hmm. all the way to the ambassador the same way the same way i go hail the ambassador is the same way i go hail my driver yeah. you know because you never know you and never just know. because that person is in that situation does not mean you know they they are great gatekeepers if i'm if they're driving me you know they have my life in yeah. their hand pretty much when i when i go to the field so i make sure like when i go to meetings and you know and, they, and they're in the sun they've been waiting the car i said oh i said do you do you didn't get any water i buy them food you know if i travel i make sure i buy gifts all the way to my security gate man to my nanny everything like you have to be able to 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 raise everybody like i always tell somebody like the way people come into your life, they should leave in a better way. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like you should send them off in a better way. You you should be able, you know, for you to, to leave your footprint of change in everybody that you come across to. So like for my nanny, I made sure that, oh, you know, when she came into work in my home, I said, you're part of my family. You're not just, I mean, you're helping me take care of the home and take care of my daughter, but I consider you a part of my family. So her son, she told me that, oh, that she didn't have enough money to put her son in school. I helped her put her son in school. Even when I was leaving to come back from America, I didn't say, oh, well, you're on your own, though, like many people would do and say, oh, I'll find another job. I helped her find another job. She still now works with my pastor and my pastor's wife at her salon and helps out other people in my church. Also, some of my neighbors, she works to clean their offices, and she's been able to get her own apartment. She didn't have a cell phone before, a bank account. Like, I was able to build her capacity that she is doing well. And she's even, you know, engaged now to get married this year. And so, like, I'm so happy from where I met her to where she is now. You know what I'm saying? So everybody has that power to change somebody's life, even if it's just one. (laughs) Everybody has the power to change somebody in your village. But you should definitely not think about yourself. Like, our culture is all about most of the time, me, me, me. And mm. I said, no, we need to change that M to W. It yeah. should be about we, we, yes. we yes. you know, and how can I be able to serve you? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's more we. How can we work together as a village to help each other out? It's not just about you because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the village will not do any go anywhere with just one person. So mm-hmm. how can you make a difference? Um, in your village, everybody can make a difference, and it's not just about money. You can you can make a difference with your talent, with your time. That that right there, that's the exclamation yes, yes. point in this conversation <laughs> right there. I'm not gonna even ask you anything else because that's powerful. Let's we're gonna leave on that note. That is an amazing message from our very own 
Dr. Tommy Oma Oba, right? Like this yes, is the so. reason, this is the wisdom that comes from Oba, uh, Baba at the top, right? <laughs> and so sis, I just want to, again, say thank you so much for just taking the time and, and just blessing us with your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge, and just educating us about, you know, public health and in the audience, you know, of course, I, I know some things, but even just your, with your experience, I mean, I was even able to learn some things. Um, so we're very, very grateful. Is there a way that people can can follow you and keep up with you? I know there might be some young listeners here who might be inspired by this, even me, even <laughs> though I'm not a small boy anymore, but even I'm inspired. Like, I want to know her number. Let me get her information. Let her mentor me. Like, so that I like if there's any way that people can reach out to you and follow you, then please drop that here so we can be able to share that. Yes. Yes. So you can reach me on all social media so on instagram on ig my ig handle is at wellness wahala so w-e-l-l-n-e-s-s and then wahala w-a-h-a-l-a then also you can reach me on um, gmail by email at wellness wahala at gmail.com i'm also on facebook so please reach out slide in my dm i always respond sometimes it might be late you know so that some people I still need to, to get in contact. Even you, you send me one contact. I need to follow up with him yeah. because of the time difference too. And yeah. you know, I just got a lot going on, but I, I tell people I just slide and I'm going to reply. If I don't send me a reminder, it's not like I'm ignoring you. I just got a lot going on, but it's all love. So for those that I have not replied, have mercy on me. Or I don't want any wahala, no vets. <laughs> Yeah, the me best. Remind me, <laughs> man. I, this is this has been awesome. You're the best. Thank you so much for joining on the show. And again, follow her. Um, check out her podcast, Wellness Wahala Podcast. You can find that on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. It's the best. She has amazing, amazing guests, not just including me, but just so many people that are doing amazing things and so much good advice that is customized in yeah. in the way of our people. So, um, man, sis, this is a pleasure. I got to have you on again in the future. But thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Bless up. So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation that I had with Dr. Tomi. And uh, we'd like to thank Dr. Tomi for taking the time to share some wisdom and some insight with us. Um, She is a shining star in our community. And we wish you nothing but peace, blessings, and growth in all that you're doing and all your endeavors. We need more people like you, Dr. Tomi. So thank you so much for your leadership. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and download this podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast or find your good shows. We will be there as well. Please maybe add us to the collection of the good shows that you like to listen to. Um, please stay tuned and continue to follow us. Follow us on Instagram at Black Transnational Podcast. Or you can follow me, the host, at Black Transnational underscore on Instagram. And check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com. We have lots more really good conversations coming up throughout the season. And I hope that you're there to have these conversations with us or with people in your own respective communities. But until then, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. My Black is Transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Until next time, peace. Thank you.